1: What do you want out of life? What is the end goal? What is the North Star? Once you figure that out,
0: that's easy. Then you just have to put in the places how you get there. Across industries, there are common lessons to be learned from entrepreneurs who built successful brands from the bottom up.
1: So I was just thinking, what can I do? What am I awful at, which is a lot, and what am I good at, which are a few things. I can build things, I can interview people. I'm also a cinematographer and a video editor. So I put it all together and figured out what I need to do.
0: Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. And over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. You know, America is a place where anybody with an idea who's willing to put in the work can see the idea come to life. Getting something off the ground is an accomplishment, but it becomes much more gratifying when it grows and affects the lives of others. My guest today, Brian Kelsey, is one such entrepreneur, as well as a 25-year veteran of the television, radio, and voiceover industries. He's been a radio host on some legendary stations. He's worked on The Howard Stern Show and on Martha Stewart Living Radio, making appearances on Martha's TV Show, along with The Today Show, HGTV, and Fox. More recently, he's building an active YouTube channel focused on bringing YouTube production value to the next level with tutorials, reviews, and inspiration. Brian's latest project is a fun celebrity talk show that he hosts, believe it or not, out of his garage called 10 Minutes With. With a guest roster including the likes of the late Gilbert Gottfried, Craig Melvin, and Allison Camerata, Brian's been making waves with the show, and he's about to get even bigger now that it's been picked up by streaming platform MoCo. I sat down with Brian to learn more about the development of 10 Minutes With and to dig into the similarities between what goes into building a talk show in your garage and what goes into building any other brand or business. This is a fun one, so buckle up. Let's get into the arena with Brian Kelsey. Welcome to the podcast, Brian.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm just laughing because it just sounds so ridiculous as, <laughs> as you're reading it. You know, he started a talk show in his garage.
0: I know. This podcast, it's typically we're talking about CEOs of companies and those in the ecosystem around those companies that help create values. But entrepreneurs uh, like yourself are doing that every day and trying to make it happen and building your personal brand and content library. And I think people are like really taking notice. I did. When I saw the show, thank you,
1: everybody's got some sort of passion entrepreneurship scans all sorts of talents and genres of things, and especially sort of reinvent themselves,
0: yeah, yeah. well, listen, um, before we get into some formal questions, I thought I would start off with a couple of icebreakers for Absolutely. you so it's
1: nice to be uh interviewed as opposed to interviewing, so this is easy, yeah. <laughs>
0: So you're so relaxed and fluid, it's like amazing. Are you ready? Yes. Dogs or cats? Dogs.
1: Although recently cats are uh, a close second. Fly or be invisible? Uh, fly, definitely.
0: Agreed. Uh, beetles or stones? Uh, beetles. The last time you cried, was it a happy cry or a sad cry? Um, it was a happy cry. Good for you. At what age do you you think people start saying, I've had a fall versus I fell? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh boy.
1: Probably around my age. I would say 55.
0: You're a little below the average. I've asked these to so many people. Maybe you're arthritic. If you ever released your own fragrance, what would it be called? Beach. A combination of sand, sweat,
1: uh, suntan lotion, um and and vodka yeah exactly i was gonna (laughs) say beer but uh, vodka too that's fine
0: either one what's your most frequently used emoji uh thumbs up so annoying if you went to prison would you focus on physical fitness or reading books oh god physical fitness probably if you didn't live in the u.s what country would you live in let's see probably the uk do you think there's life on other planets, and if so, are they more or less advanced than us?
1: Yeah, kind of. I, I think there's something out there, and they're probably way more advanced than us. I totally agree.
0: Have you ever milked a cow? No. I'd love to. My hair's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> I hear it's great. Can, I can arrange that. That would be a good episode for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you put on first, socks or pants? Oh, a 1,000%
1: thousand, thousand socks.
0: I think I'm the only one. Congratulations, you made it through the icebreaker. <laughs> Thank you, boy. Whew. You've had such an interesting background. How did your career start? And take us like, through the beginning of it and how you got on to like, Howard. Well,
1: there's a common theme, and it has to do with a little bit of stretching the truth and a little bit of thinking outside the box, which I think applies to everybody in any industry about getting ahead or, or knowing your, your career path. I knew the, the path that I wanted, and that's a lot of times the hardest part, is deciding what you want, no matter what your career is. I started out in radio at the Fox radio station. I just started interning there. They said, oh, you've got a great voice. Have you ever been on the radio? And I was at college at, at the time. And I said, oh, definitely, which I hadn't ever at all. Yeah. Like not even. I've listened foot. to the radio. <laughs> yeah, I've listened to it. <laughs> um, so one day they said, uh, hey, the overnight guy can't come in. You said you've been on. Can you come in and do an air shift? Of course, I've never even had nothing. You know, now I had to actually do it. So I went in there. Got to know the stuff by 6 a.m. the next morning. I had the hang of it, and the head of the station liked what he heard, and so he hired me. So I worked there, but the cream of the crop is to get into New York City, market number one, and I saw that there was a classical station changing formats to rock, so I wanted to gain the attention to get in there. So I, back then, this was cassettes, I put my air check, my, my demo on a cassette. I had balloons made up that said, well, my air name then was Brian Savage which I didn't pick, by the way. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so I had the balloons printed up. It said, Brian Savage on the air and in the air, pop and listen. And I put him in. I put a cassette in there I blew it up, blew up the balloon and put it in a box and sent a box with a blown-up balloon. And I got the job and I later found out that he's like, that's exactly why. It's like, not because you have any talent, <laughs> but because that year was so... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> creative.
0: Right, everybody
1: has talent, but it's like, who's
0: more creative?
1: It really is. Like It's just those little things that kind of stand out. And then from there, I kind of did the same thing getting into K-Rock in New York. They just changed formats. So I got hired there, and that's where Howard Stern broadcast his show. And he came in one day to my studio, and he just said, Brian, you know, I'm a big fan. Would you mind doing what you're doing for K-Rock for me? Which was being the voice of the station and the production. Meaning like, anytime you listen to the radio, in between the songs and you hear like you know (laughs) coming up blah 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 blah, blah. so that's what i started doing i started making bits and i could do anything i wanted just as as ridiculous as i wanted to which was great and still doing k-rock and i was also doing voiceovers as well on the side and then my contract was up and i decided to just go out on my own and with Howard as a client and my voiceover clients, and just be freelance. And so I worked for him for many years, did voiceovers, and then things kind of switched more to television. I was kind of, still am in the kind of home improvement genre. I'm a licensed carpenter, even though I just do it for fun and for friends. So I was a guest on the Martha Stewart radio show at SiriusXM, and then it turns out one of their hosts was leaving, and they said, you know, you've got a radio background, would you want to come and do the show and i said sure so for four years it was a nationwide talk show for four hours every morning we had to interview everybody and anybody we could in the martha universe Um, and that sort of led to appearances on martha's tv show and that kind of led to the today show and other
0: different segments and stuff like that and you were doing like some home improvement type stuff in that segment because you know that's kind of what you're great at as well
1: well i'm passionate about it years later that's kind of how it all sort of came together in that like what do you want to do in life what do you want out of life what is the end goal what is the north star and again once you figure that out that's easy then you just have to put in the places how you get there so i've been obsessed with late night talk shows forever I mean, I, I went and saw David Letterman back in the NBC days when I was really young, I think I was 16, and just obsessed. So I always wanted to do that, and so I was just thinking, what can I do? What am I awful at, which is a lot, and what am I good at, which are a, a few things. I can build things, I can interview people, I'm also a cinematographer and a video editor. I can bang that stuff out and have all the equipment. So I put those together, and I'm like, you know, wh- what am I doing? I Also, NPS. I live in the area of the country that there happens to be a lot of famous people who live in the area close by. So I put it all together and figured out what I need to do. You know, I still do it mostly by myself. And was this, was this 2019? Yeah, this was 2019 and had a nice big garage and I started out simple and then I just went crazy and started to build, like originally I was just going to kind of build a YouTube set, but then I was kind of like, why not just go the whole thing? And I built a custom desk the size of... Conan O'Brien's desk because desks for late night talk shows are a different breed and they're, it's very different, not just regular desks. And then started doing it. I got it all set and I was sitting there by myself and I'm like, well, I got to get a guest. Who do I know?
0: (laughs) Dude, I love like how authentic the show is, you know, just to echo what you said about the late night talk show, you know, when I was growing up, Johnny Carson was just the man, you know, like I've never seen a guy get more laughs in my life off of like, bombing jokes. And then I went to college in the fall of 82 and I had four years of letterman. And people don't realize it was like a cult. Maybe he was a little bit like Steve Allen in the old yeah. days, but he was just like absolutely game changing for that late night talk show. And it's amazing that that's like your inspiration. The
1: industry has always said when he first started, that was such a huge college following because it was on late, because it was irreverent. I agree, same thing with Johnny Carson. I mean, there are three framed really nice photos on my studio wall. You don't really ever see on camera, but it's one of uh, kind of a behind the scenes of Johnny Carson, one of David Letterman, and then also Jimmy Fallon. But early 1980s David Letterman is what the show was sort of modeled after in terms of the feel, and you know, which is why you see on the show, I have a phone, an actual, like an analog phone Like a rotary. Yeah. And my kids are like, oh boy, dad, that's an old fashioned phone. I'm like, is it really? Like, oh God, I'm that old. One of the things I loved about David Letterman, and again, this all ties into passion and what you want. I know that I wanted to be able to plunk down a line on a phone, pick up the handle and be able to hear the dial tone, the dialing all throughout the studio. So I had to put in a PA system in the studio so like you could hear everything. Then I had to figure out how to hook up a phone so that it records because I have to record everything separately. I needed, you know, everything on a clean channel so later I can mix it all together, but also need to be heard in the studio. And it took forever, but it worked.
0: Yeah. And the the best part is all those great bits were done with like no money you know, like there's no budget, which is like the best part of it.
1: Exactly, and you know, they're not ashamed of that and they celebrate that and they, you know. Embrace. Exactly, exactly.
0: If I'm a guest on your show and I'm Alison Camerata, talk about like how the show starts and like I think it's (laughs) absolutely great.
1: (laughs) The reason why it's called 10 Minutes With is because I set a 10 minute, or I tried to in the beginning, a 10 minute limit for interviews because I know it needs to be as easy as possible for the guests, as fun as possible, and as quick as possible. So behind the scenes, before they get there, I, there's like eight cameras. So I start the rolling. I test the audio. Pete, um, who uh, works with me, he's amazing. He's my co-host and a producer and basically amazing. He, we all test it together. It's going, okay, and we wait and they come and you pull into the driveway, literally. Hello, nice to meet you. Quickly, Pete puts a, a lav mic on them and then we just have them stand outside the garage door, I close the door go in and I just hit the cranking intro music because I want the whole experience for the guests to be so fun. You hear this loud music blaring. The the garage door opens. You know, they walk in.
0: They're like, you gotta be kidding (laughs) me. You got
1: to be joking me. (laughs) And there's the beach chair and I have a red carpet for them and they come and they sit down. You sit down, hello, pleasantries. Then of course, we offer a beverage, usually alcoholic, offer them their drink, which now comes delivered via train because I just set up this train where... Pete can put drinks on one of the train cars and it zips down and goes behind me on the set where I can take it and dispense it to the guest and myself as well. Dude, I need to up my
0: game here. <laughs> that, that is like insane that you have a train. That is I so mean, you, cool. And that's
1: the other thing that took forever. But I'm like, I was the era of Mr. Rogers and the trolley. I mean, you know, can you imagine if the trolley brought Mr. Rogers, a, 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 you know, a wine or, or beer? I don't even know what.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, uh, just a take on that, um, and then we just hang out and we talk. And there's, you know, it's edited, so it's no risk. And again, it's it's literally just me and Pete in the garage. There's nobody else there, so it's not a high pressure situation. The cameras are small and hidden. And then when we're done, I just hit the theme music. Thank you for coming. Music's blaring. Pete opens the garage door. They walk out. They close and they go. And it's <laughs> so it's so good. It's got to be easy.
0: Similar to other talk shows of its kind, 10 Minutes With is broken up with special pre-recorded segments in addition to Brian's guest interviews. While interactions with his guests are the heart of the show, Brian's special brand of humor really shines through, through comedy bits which range from ridiculous public gags to rejection letters from would-be celebrity guests. I asked Brian which segments have been his favorite to produce and record, starting with my personal favorite, Celebrity Dry Cleaner.
1: We're trying to go to find celebrities, and there's a, a, a cleaner, it's called Celebrity Cleaner, so we thought, well, let's go down there. Maybe there's some celebrities. And and where is it? It was in Greenwich, Connecticut. And of course, uh, they were yelling at us the whole time. They didn't want us in there, and they were not so happy about it, but then I ended up putting my uh,
0: my headshot from you know 1992 <laughs> in the window. I thought that was so funny because you know, you go into all these dry cleaners and they have photos like the eight by tens of these celebrities all the time. And I always feel like if you're in the dry cleaner as a celebrity, you're either on your way up or on your way down, yeah. <laughs> right? Like the love boat. That is. Like like Charo or Sonny Bono or something like that, right? <laughs> it
1: absolutely, that's so true. One of the my favorites is Stu Leonard was was a guest and I was going to Florida for a trip and I was trying to think of, Gosh, if I'm going to Florida, I've got to film something. And uh, I, was, I was talking with Pete. I'm like, what if I like had to leave the show to go down and get an orange or something like that? He's like, wait a minute. Just get Stu Leonard as a guest because they, he always says, if you want a fresher orange, you got to go to Florida and get it. So we booked him, but I already did the, the bit, which was to leave the show. Stu and I are talking and he gives me this orange and he's like, Brian, you'll never find a better orange unless you go to Florida. And I said, hold on a second. And I left, he left the garage and of course, cut to me getting in the car, flying to Florida, same outfit, same everything, running to an orange grove, picking an orange, getting back in the car with the bag, same clothes, everything, and running back back into the garage with the orange. And it came out really funny. And I just that, that was that was really fun.
0: I think that's great because Stu is so used to doing his normal... Marketing, um, you know, just like the billboard or whatever they're doing, you know, this is just like a totally different thing. So, when you think about the people you've had on, what's your idea of like a great interview with somebody who's been good and why?
1: Yeah. um, I think somebody who opens up and um, feels comfortable. And that's what I aim to do. Like, guest is number one. It's not about me, it's about them. Craig Melvin, one of the hosts of the Today Show, after a year of trying to work out with his schedule, um, finally got him to come or agree to come, and just as soon as he said yes, and we set a date to pandemic it. <laughs> you know, we're trying to think of like, we can't, I know this is a pandemic, but you know, we got a show. So I had an idea. I'm like, wait, why don't, and this was like, you know, it's like wintertime. This is uh, February or March or whatever, and, and there was snow on the ground. He agreed to come, so I, so I said, well, all right, let's get a fire pit. We'll put it in the driveway 30 feet away from me, and have a big fire going it turns out craig likes uh, bourbon so we went out and bought the most expensive bottle had that for him had a beach chair in the driveway microphone set up so he have, we don't have to touch him don't have to get near him all he literally has to do is pull up and sit in a chair by the fire and drink his bourbon and he just loved it he's like this was just so wonderful and it was completely safe. You know, the garage door was open, so it was freezing, but it was great. It was great. And he was just very open, and we talked about all, so many things, and a lot of things didn't make the cut because it was just probably too personal or too whatever. But he was just very open and relaxed, and maybe it was the bourbon. I
0: don't know. You know, it's not like the Today Show isn't authentic. It is, but it's a very slick, highly produced thing that they've been doing for years and years, and this is like a very authentic cool thing that someone at that level can be a part of. And I think people root for the underdog, you know, like when you start out, it's something little until it it isn't anymore. Talk about guests that are open. You do have a washer dryer in there. And I do know that one of your guests, or, or maybe more than one, have been known to bring their laundry and do laundry while on the show, which I think is just incredible.
1: Well, we always offer that. Which is kind of funny, just to let them know how loose this is. You know, it's not, it's not fancy. Uh, you know, front loading. No, no, no. None of the guests have what Pete. <laughs> Pete has Pete is broad. He's like, listen, I got to do my whites. Do you mind? I'm like, no, pop them in. We'll let it as soon as it's done. You know, then we can roll tape. But again, it's part of the the, the feel to let them know that this is not formal.
0: Um, and we're just having fun. Again, like kind of being an underdog and doing everything yourself from constructing the set to playing the music to doing all the camera, the audio, the mixing. You're booking your guests yourself and you've had a lot of rejection letters, a couple are doozies. What can you share with us about that? Yeah,
1: well, you can imagine. There are publicists for a reason. Publicists protect their talent as they should. And I started with people I know in the community who are have some sort of celebrity status who are friends, and they came on and now I've got something that looks like I'm credible. <laughs> so I can at least send the publicist and say, hey, there, it's this, this, you know, we've had these guests. And so 99.99999% are obviously either no's or just don't answer, which is totally fine. But a lot of times we get rejections and they're usually polite, you know, but sometimes they're just, you know, I think it was um, Paul, Schaefer? Paul Schaefer. Yeah, it was, it was something about like, he's not available ever.
0: Like the word ever was in there, you know, like
1: ever and ever, like forever and ever, for forever. He's just not available.
0: <laughs> that actually hurts that you use that word, right? Like,
1: Is it not available? There's no, there's no chance,
0: not even one in a million ever. So if, if this thing blows up and becomes super successful, like it no doubt will, would you let Paul Schaefer on in the
1: future? Of course, that would be, that's the whole fun part. That's the, like... You know, I don't know. know, I can just hear him. I don't know who's handling my PR, but that's not, you know. So that's all the fun of it. And so we read those rejection letters on the air
0: or on the show as well, because it's just it's just funny. It's like, why not? I know that the show is being distributed or it's getting more widely seen. What's your social media strategy with the show? First
1: of all, social media, whether you like it or not, is just it's so important in any industry I Try to focus on two, LinkedIn and Instagram. LinkedIn is how I get to the people I need to get to. I know people who are not even on it, you know, who maybe are unemployed or whatever. I'm like, you need to have already been in this ecosystem. So you're ready if something happens. That's how I get to publicists, to anybody for the show. And so last September, the show got picked up by a streaming service. Um, it's called MoCo. They stream around the world. And now any shows we're going to do now will be on MoCo. One of the reasons why I like the channel is because their whole thing is all kind of good vibes. You know, they contribute a lot of money to charities, whatever. But they're, that is my thing. Like, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about It's like it's only fun and just good vibes. And they just love that. And so that has helped with social media as well. I've done so much research on social media and what works and what doesn't. And I know it works for Instagram, for example. Instagram reels are what spread you, get you out there. So I've been trying to focus on that in a certain amount, you know, 15 seconds long or whatever. But in the end, it's it's really about what you're putting out. If it's good content, so it's not like you have to put everything out, something out every single day. But as long as it's something valuable, people will pick up on it and that will get spread out. I think that was the key thing, is just give some value to your posts.
0: What are your aspirations for the show? Like if you looked out five years from now, what would it look like? Because when I think about all the people I interview, everybody's like building something and you're no different. In your mind, what are you building?
1: I am building a brand. It's a show, but it's it's a brand. And I would love to have it be on a bigger platform, whether it's still be in a garage or be in a garage on a set, on a soundstage, but still with a very scaled down low pressure scenario they won't let me but i'm sure i'd still want to edit the show myself because i edited a certain way i wanted to look and feel a certain way plus i know all the sucky stuff that i want to edit <laughs> that i said out and then i can with moco they said sure basically do what you're doing now and we have more pull for for guests rather than you having to do the guest yourself which is really helpful i still enjoy it and i still do but they're going to start to help
0: Whether you're growing a multi-million dollar public company or hosting a talk show in your garage, there's a lot of commonalities to be found in the success stories of brands across industries. Humble beginnings, lots of creativity, and a ton of hard work and perseverance are the ingredients. No surprise there. With the launch of 10 Minutes With, Brian has tapped into something that's both innovative and nostalgic, and it's a winning combination. And while the appeal is lighthearted and fun, the aspiration is lofty with real goals. That vision is what's going to propel the show and Brian to more success. Welcome to the arena. We're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app, and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. Another big thanks to Brian for joining us on the podcast. We had a lot of fun hearing about his stories and learning about his goals for the show. To our listeners, if you haven't caught an episode of 10 Minutes With, I really suggest you go to YouTube and check it out. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena.